Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's Sports Tonight, broadcasting live from the Annual Arena, home of the Stanley Cup champions, your Tampa Bay Lightning. I'd like to welcome everybody to the show. Our guest, uh, Mr. Don Henderson, Mr. Roger Henner, of course, Finn and Dallas, Mr. Frank Carroll, 
and of course, Mr. Roy Cummings. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, Tommy. Looking forward to it, Tommy. What's that? Happy hockey season, everybody. That's right. Yeah, thank right. you, Roy. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah, it all gets underway it today. It uh, should be interesting to see and also to see how the virus hits the National Hockey League as, as the National Football League and the NBA. So it's going to be very interesting how the protocol is going to go this time around. It's yeah, a couple terrible. of teams what? already missing a couple of players here and there, but uh, Flyers and Penguins off to a, getting the league off the season off to a good start uh, right now. Philly uh, holding on to a one-goal lead with uh, about 10, uh, 11 minutes left in the uh, third period. So it be another good start for them. Could be a good season ahead. Let's hope so. Roy, before we talk about last week's game in the playoffs, uh, be very interested. You're so close to it there in Tampa. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, going to have a, a change in coaches in Philadelphia. The Eagles are going to interview Todd Bowles. Uh, have they interviewed him as yet? And if they have, what's the result? And, of course, the head coach there in, in Tampa has said he can handle both things. He can handle getting ready for this weekend's playoff game and take care of his interview at the same time. So give us an update on both of those. Yeah, it's obvious that uh, Philadelphia is looking at Todd Bowles, among other candidates. And Todd Bowles is certainly a guy that I think uh, – you're looking for a head coach. He's somebody you want to talk to. He's done it before. Uh, not with a lot of success. Um, I personally think Todd Bowles is uh, – I think he's an interesting candidate because, again, he's done this before, and a lot of times uh, when it doesn't go so well for you and it doesn't quite work out the way you want it to with a team that obviously is lacking in talent uh, the way uh, his did when he had a shot in New York, uh, you, you know, you just you can't kind of say, okay, well, maybe you learn from it. And what I think uh, Philadelphia is going to be most interested in knowing is uh, what have you learned from that? What have you, you know, what, what, what are you, what's different about you now as a head coach right. compared to what you were like then? And I think that's the thing you lean on. Look, you know, he can run a pretty good defense. You know, he's going to take a lot of chances. Uh, he's going to do a lot of blitzing. Uh, you know what you're going to get with him in terms of uh, how he's going to run a defense. And if that's what you like in defense, then you know what, um, you go back to some of the great defenses in uh, Eagles history, Buddy Ryan, I think they like some of those risk takers, some of those guys who are uh, willing to do things a little bit uh, outside of the box. Oh, and uh, get your, Todd Bowles is one of those guys. Here. So, um, you know, I think he's a, a very interesting candidate um, in terms of, you know, can he, uh, you know, focus on uh, an interview and, and run the Bucks defense all at the same time? Yeah, I think he can. Uh, this defense is uh, it's nothing new to him. I think everybody understands the scheme. Uh, he knows where the weaknesses are. I think everybody does at this point. Uh, they're all in the secondary for the most part. And uh, so I think uh, I think Todd Bowles is an interesting candidate. I don't know that he'd be the guy that I would hire um, in Philadelphia, but um, I think I would go for someone who's proven, who's done it before successfully, uh, because I think you've got a team there that it, it needs some rebuilding, but you've also got some pieces that are ready to, you know, push you into a little bit. And you're, the other thing is, look, as we found out this year, uh, you you could be a 500 team in that division right now and get to the playoffs. So I think they need somebody who can uh, quickly get this team in position uh, to be a playoff team. And I, I'm just again, I would lean on someone who's done it successfully before, not just done it before. Roy, I think it also shows a little bit about uh, Bruce okay. Arians because he's a different kind of coach. I think Tommy's talking in the background here, so I hear two or three voices. But anyway, uh, the the problem is that. Uh, uh, or I should say the problem, his philosophy, I guess, is 
that uh, people can do more than one thing at a time. And this is a big game coming up this weekend for the playoffs. And yet he said his defensive coordinator has time to interview for a new job, maybe in Philadelphia. That's a, I think that's a little strange for a coach in the National Football League. Well, Bruce Arians uh, kind of, you know, you know, marches to a different drummer than a lot of coaches. He does things a little bit differently, just like Todd Bowles. You know, I think that's one of the reasons he's kind of on the staff with uh, with Bruce. Bruce is not afraid. Bruce has confidence in in all of his coaches to do the job at hand. And and again, um, you know, by the time you get to Wednesday, and and who knows when the uh, uh, the interview it may have. For all we know, it took place yesterday. It, maybe it's going to be uh, Friday or Saturday. Um, they've got till Sunday night to play this game. The coach's hard work is usually put in on uh, Monday and Tuesday. So by the time you get to Wednesday, uh, Thursday, it's not hard, uh, you know, to just kind of push the buttons. And he's got good, solid assistants behind him that can run the show on a Saturday through a walkthrough or, you know, even a Sunday afternoon before the game. I don't think it happened then. But Saturday seems the more likely uh, day, I think, for – for Todd Bowles to go in there. But again, I think that look, Bruce Arians is confident in his coaches. Yeah. Uh, he's confident that they can get the job done and confident that they can uh, handle other things other than football, uh, yeah. even on a big, during a big week. Roger. Well, I was just going to say uh, what really bears that out, Roy, was what the Cleveland Browns did to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night, where they were missing players, missing coaches, uh, and uh, they really uh, got off to a great start. Not all of their doing, but uh, it just proved uh, what you were just saying about uh, coaching when it gets down to uh, the uh, last few days or, you know, before a game. You're right, Roger. You know, you're at a point in the season where, you know, teams don't need a lot of practice. It's really just uh, staying uh, kind of in that, in, in that, you know, fine-tuned area where they are physically and in terms of focus and that kind of thing. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, you know, uh, again, for a team like Tampa, look, at, look who they're facing. I mean, if, if they don't know how, and maybe they don't, but if, if they don't know how to, how to stop Drew Brees and the Saints by now, well, then they're never going to figure it out. Right. They've had, you know, they've had a couple of shots at this. They had a couple of shots at it last year. Uh, this group's had a couple of shots at it this year. Uh, nothing's changing in New Orleans, so – uh, I would think that uh, this, the opportunity is certainly there uh, for Tampa to, to just kind of go out there and, uh, you know, just play your best football and hope that it works out for you this time. Well, I was just going to say about this. Deuce Daly about uh, the position. Um, what's your thoughts on that one? I'm sorry, say, I didn't quite get the question. They're, they're, they're also talking to one of the guys who's an assistant coach up there now, Deuce Excuse me, Deuce Daly. Oh, Deuce Daly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I, yeah, I like that idea. I like the idea of – but, again, to me, that's, I, to me, I, that's a move you make um, if, if you're rebuilding. And we don't know that they're not going to be rebuilding. Maybe that's the plan. Um, but, boy, oh, boy, just I look at that division, and I think you can – I think you can kind of kill two birds with one stone in that division. I think you can rebuild – and build to be a playoff team all in the same year. And, again, I would want somebody who's done it before and done it successfully. Uh, it's just um, – it's not that I am about holding back on, on uh, assistant coaches or coordinators or, play, or, or coaches who are 
you know, certainly worthy uh, of an opportunity to advance. But not every team is in, is in a position, in my opinion, uh, to offer that to give that opportunity to a young coach. And I think the Eagles are a team that needs to get somebody who's done this before and done it successfully and get back up on top, you know, while you still got the chance. I don't know that there's a window open right now for the Eagles. Um, They could be in the middle of a big transition, but, you know, you kind of got two quarterbacks. You got to decide which one's going to be your guy. And you got some other pieces that I think make you at least competitive. Uh, free agency can do a lot, and uh, I think. And, and again, the draft—they're going to be—they're going to be high up in the draft. They're going to have some good picks. I think there's an opportunity here for this team to, uh, you know, to tech, tech another three, four wins on next year based on uh, playing better football and uh, being smarter. So um, we'll see. You know, I mean, let's not forget—they gave a game away this year. So uh, I think it's just uh, to me. Uh, I like Deuce Staley. I think he's going to get a shot at some point, uh, but I don't think he's ready for this team just yet. Roger, let me say, I was going to say this, that uh, the problem with the Eagles now is the interference of the owner and the general manager. Uh, Doug Peterson uh, was was a player's coach. Uh, He did a great job. He had one bad year and there was, you know, uh, Wentz was going to – he wanted out because he doesn't get along with Doug. Well, listen, I listened to a lot of those press conferences, and uh, Doug went over and over that they keep on working with him, working with him. Uh, and I don't know whether uh, Carson Wentz would just had a, a, you know, a, a hard head about it or what. But uh, the problem was not Doug Peterson. The problem is – that now the owner and the ge- the general manager should have been fired. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, his drafts, he has one Pro Bowl player in all his drafts. Uh, that's un- that's unacceptable. Okay, so uh, they the they they didn't make that move. And I said before, and I said uh, to many people, those two guys are connected at the hip. There was no way that Lurie was going to get rid of them. Hopefully, he will sometime. But I feel sorry for Doug Peterson because uh, he's a really good coach, and I don't know who they're going to hire to replace him. Uh, you know, Laurie indicates that it's going to be a offensive guy, but who knows? I just think that when you start having uh, the uh, uh, you know the owner and the general manager uh, uh, tell, picking the coaches. And I think that's what happened with Doug. He wanted to uh, promote within, just like last year, uh, he wanted to keep two coaches. And he said one day they did 24, that they were uh, staying 24 hours later, they were let go because the owner wanted them out. That's the problem. Roger, I don't know whether you saw, I don't know whether you saw the post yesterday, but uh, the post, uh, the headlines on the Jets were, don't wait. Now's the time to hire Doug right away. Don't start interviewing other coaches. Bring him into New York. Let him take over the Jets. He's the guy. So we'll wait and see yeah. whether, you know, the general manager, who is uh, obviously a part of the former former part of the Philadelphia Eagles as well, as Doug. So we'll see what develops there. But the post really came out very, very strongly for Doug to be hired by the Jets. Yeah, I don't blame. Well, one of the only things time I, will tell. One of the things that you alluded to, Roger, is I know is in your email that you got from Angelo Cataldi. But the the uh, Inquirer today has a picture of Wentz and uh, Howie 
standing next to each other and how they connived to get him out. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, Frank. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the re- I sent that out because I well you know I what I initiated yesterday was that the campaign that you Don and I and Tommy are familiar with was when Joe Kuharik was the coach of the Eagles in the '60s. There was the campaign with the streamer on the the end of the plane every game. Joe must go. And what <laughs> my point was, Howie must go. And we've already got the plane and the streamer all set to start going around Philadelphia because Howie must go. That's right. That's right, Roger. He's got to go. Hope you guys can hear me right now. He's a total incompetent. He's a total incompetent. That's all I can tell you. And and I have, I'm losing all my uh, res- my respect for Wentz. If that's what it was, <laughs> conniving, where Wentz did that on purpose, his performance. Well, there's a lot of there's so many things going on that uh, you know they talk again about what happened in the last half of the last game of the Philadelphia Eagles and and what did Peterson do there? What and even in, in today's paper, the New York Post, that's what they go back to and say, you know, when it when the interview judge. But uh, let's get back to Roy for a minute because we don't have that much time with him and. Uh, Ray, as, we, uh, as, as we look as we look back at the game last weekend against Washington, Tom played great, but as Bruce said, the team did not play very well. And as you indicated, what is the numbers? Like 72 points to 26 in the two games they played, the last two games they played, the differential. So it's going to be a, a very big game, and I think Tom's going to have to play the game of his life. Well, yeah, I think Tom's going to have to play the game of his life because the defense is going to have to play the game of its life. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to play a kind of – the Bucks' defense is going to have to play a game it hasn't played this year, uh, except maybe against uh, Green Bay, which, you know, maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it, um, maybe it has the ability at, at some point to really step up in a big moment and uh, accept the challenge. But it, it certainly didn't do it against uh, Taylor Henneke last week. And uh, – you know, for a guy to come in off the couch, basically, uh, with four days of preparation, uh, barely knowing until game day that he was going to play and not, not having thrown a football in the league in four years or whatever it was, or having, you know, played four games in the league, and the, the, he was remarkable. And, and he was remarkable because the Bucks allowed him to be remarkable. And, uh, you know, Drew Brees is going to pick these guys apart if they don't get to him. Todd Bowles is going to have to come up with some kind of a new scheme uh, because – it's likely to be a shootout no matter what, but at some point, the Bucks defense has to figure out a way to stop that uh, New Orleans attack, and if they can't do it, um, it's it's going to be a tough afternoon for Tampa Bay, and again, it's it's pretty hard to do to beat a team three times in a row in this right. league, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's hard not to think that if New Orleans, that New Orleans can do it against Tampa Bay no matter who their quarterback is, and obviously they got the greatest of all time there, so... Uh, and, you know, that's a little rivalry within a rivalry. I mean, uh, Drew Brees hears it all the time that uh, Brady's the GOAT, Brady's the GOAT. Well, right now uh, I think Drew Brees wants a piece of that and says, okay, guess what, guess what, I just beat the GOAT. So um, uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of incentive there. Hey, Roy, how you doing tonight? Hey, yeah, I'm broadcasting from the Emily Arena, Roy. I guess you guess walked by me about five minutes ago. I'm the chief tailor. So he said, he said, she's on, she'll tell the guys on the show, come on next to me, especially you, Roy. I want to say hello to you. 
Is it broadcast in the hallway and then the banner will be going up for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Stanley Cup champions at probably about eight, eight, ten, or eight things would probably be probably better view on you could guys view it on TV a lot better. I'll sneak out and watch it for a while. But guys, it feels weird right now. No one's in the building. Every the building's di- di- dissected the green, yellow, blue, whatever heck it is. So I mean chief got green, so four green, so we'll see what happens from there. So but I just want to tell you that little footnote, Roy, Chief says hello to you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tommy, please tell Chief and anybody else uh, you see there, uh, please tell them I said hello, and I'm uh, looking forward to a great season for the Lightning again. Uh, it would be great yeah. if they can uh, put uh, back two, two cups back-to-back. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great season, and uh, obviously looking forward to it. A challenging one, uh, Lightning already facing, uh, excuse me, facing some, some adversity without Nikita Kucherov. And uh, so they got to, you know, they got some issues they got to deal with here, but um, – Look, they're good enough to overcome that, I think. Uh, in, in that division in particular, they should not have a hard time getting to the playoffs. Um, but uh, you know what? Just uh, It's great to have hockey back. There's no doubt about it. Um, and we're excited to see, see the season start. Tommy, I'll tell you the difference now in the scheduling because of the uh, the, the way they've set up the games now, uh, the competition, holy smokes, uh, within itself – it's going to be a very, very tough year. I agree with Roy 100%. I certainly think there's no question they're going to get to the playoffs. But I, I think it's going to be very difficult when you play the teams that you're going to play as frequently as they're going to play them. I think that's going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. You, you know what's going to happen, guys, is you're going to see new rivalries develop uh, that, that we we just haven't seen in a, in a while. I mean, you know, Tampa, for example, has, has a very good rivalry with Philadelphia, uh, certainly one with Washington, Boston. Uh, and that's all based on, you know, playoff matchups, that kind of thing. But uh, they used to have a bit of a rivalry with Detroit because they faced them in the playoffs. Well, that could be renewed. Um, you know, you get to a point where if somebody comes out hot out of that division or any division um, where they haven't seen each other in a long time. I mean, Columbus and Tampa is a rivalry, but, you know, Detroit and Chicago become, could become rivals uh right. Tampa. And that could happen uh, in some of the other divisions as well just because, they're going to face each other uh, eight, nine, ten times in some cases, and uh, uh, some of these teams, the, some of these lower-level teams, could have something to say about knocking some some teams out of the playoff race. So we'll see what happens, and uh, it's going to it's it's part of what's going to, I think going to make this season unique and a lot of fun. Um, the biggest challenge, though, and this is why I don't think this is an easy season to uh, to predict in terms of who's going to win in each division, who's going to you know who's going to get to the playoffs, is because. This is going to test everybody's depth more than uh, it's ever been tested before, really. It's, it's a 56-game sprint of, uh, of sorts or, or mini-marathon, uh, if you want. Um, and, and, and teams, uh, because of the salary cap and things like that, they're basically going to have a little bit smaller pool uh, to choose from, and, and they're going to have to rely on, uh, on some young players. Everybody's going to have to rely on their depth. Uh, a lot more because of back-to-back games, uh, you know, three games or four nights more often this year. So you're going to have to rely on your backup goalie a little bit more. Uh, you're certainly going to have to rely on um, on your, uh, your your young players more. Uh, that's going to make it uh, – it's another dynamic that's going to make this whole thing uh, quite interesting. Hey, yeah, well, well, I, you know, I'd like to get back and, and, uh, to the NFL while we can and, and have your picks – uh, on the uh, games this weekend. Um, well, uh, <laughs> Ram, Packers, uh, 
yeah. give me that one again. Who is it? Yeah, I was. I'd like to have your picks on the games this weekend. Uh, Rams oh, against yeah, the Packers at Green, Green Bay. I had to use the other phone. Yeah, I, I like again. Green Bay. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't seem to think that Green Bay is is as good as uh, maybe the record suggests, or that they're uh, really a, a team that's destined to get to the Super Bowl. Look, I think they are. Um, if, if Aaron Donald can't play, uh, we know we know that uh, the Rams quarterback uh, is going to be compromised a little bit with that broken thumb. Um, I think I think there's an issue there. So. Uh, look, I, I like Green Bay at home every time. Uh, to me, that's one of the hardest places to play, uh, especially in playoff time. I'll take Green Bay in that one. I think they probably win by at least uh, at least two scores. It's probably a 10- or 13-point victory there. Okay, Baltimore at Buffalo. Look, uh, Buffalo has uh, – I think they might be the best team in the, in the AFC. Uh, Baltimore – to me, got a little lucky last week. Uh, it really, a, a, a receiver falls down, trips, stumbles, falls down right in front of a defender as a ball's being thrown, and uh, Ryan Tannehill ends up, uh, you know, looking like a bit of a goat, not the right, not in the good way. But, um, you know, it's unfortunate the way Tennessee lost that game. They were rallying. Um, they did a great job of shutting down Tennessee's running game. If they can do the same thing in, uh, in Buffalo, I give them a chance, but I think Buffalo. Uh, I think Buffalo's got something special going this year. I'm going to take Buffalo in that one. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's hold on just for let's just hold on, hold it, Roger, for just a second. We want to bring Ira in at the same time because he may have a comment with Roy and a comment with you. So, Ira, before we pick everybody for the Hall of Fame, uh, jump in on that conversation. The Green Bay uh, and the cold weather. Well, if I can only make one comment, it's going to be whatever coming said. I'm going the opposite way. That's uh... <laughs> All right. Well, then you got the Rams there you and go. you got Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we. Uh, that's the way we did it for 15 years at the Triv. We we never agreed on on how the Bucks were going to do, and it worked out. It worked out well for the readers. <laughs> hey, that's true because let's let's not forget. Ira, Ira picked the Raiders. Uh, back in 2002, gentlemen, Ira picked the Raiders. <laughs> oh, uh, Roy, you, you know, Roy knows that there's more to the story, but he, he doesn't want to give it to you. He don't want to give That's it to true. you. That's true. There is more to the story, but uh, but uh, went down on the record. It, it was Ira picking the Raiders. <laughs> I'm not sure Ronnie Farmer's ever forgiving you for that. <laughs> you're right. And in their moment of jubilation, uh, Sap Brooks. Barbara Lynch, um, when, they, when when I walked through that locker room door in San Diego, they were they were waiting for me. They were waiting for they me. Were, they were indeed. They were indeed. And when you talk about Lynch now, they, uh, we talked about it last week with Roy Quinter. What is this, five times he's been up now, right? But he's, he's against a very tough competition this time around. Uh, wait a minute. Don't shortchange him. This is eight years in a row. Eight. Eight, eight years in a row. I thought it was five. Go ahead. Eight in a row, and look, Roy knows how serious uh, I take this, and Roy knows how much this means to these players. And um, you know, every, every year I gotta face John Lynch. Uh, you know, having uh, gone zero for one, zero for seven, zero for eight, and this year with the game in Tampa it could help. But I'll tell you what, what I think will help, guys, is. Um, Bill, uh, Tony Dungy and Bill Polian have been added as uh, Hall of Fame voters 
And so that means that John Lynch picks up two votes, and the guys they're replacing, they, they never said much about John Lynch. They were not Lynch supporters. So that's a plus two, and I think he came very close last year. Uh, and I'm hearing some some other people that were on the fence that are going to talk him up. So, Roy, I think you'd agree, eight years in a row, that tells me that we're not even debating whether the guy's a Hall of Famer, Roy. <laughs> no, and we're not. And, and, and uh, look, I'll, I'll leave you guys with, the, with these couple of thoughts on, on this. Uh, look, Ira knows. Uh, I think they're both Hall of Famers, John Lynch and Rondé Barber. And I think John Lynch, Ira, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that uh, no other – candidate for the hall of fame has been a finalist more often and not gotten into the into the hall than john lynch so um it's time he's due and i'll leave you i'll leave you guys with this thought and i put this out on twitter uh numerous times i put it out a year ago and i put it out again this year because ronde barber was included in my opinion ronde barber and john lynch epitomize everything that the NFL shield was meant to stand for both as players and as people, they epitomize everything that that shield is supposed to stand for. And because of that, uh, they are both hall of fame players. They, they, they are, they're hall of famers. Uh, it's really just a matter of time. And uh, I, I, Ira speaks uh, humbly when he talks about um, the work he puts in on this. I got to be honest. I've run around the NFL now for 25, almost 30 years. Uh, I have never seen. I, 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 I will. I, I have never seen anybody work harder at the Hall of Fame induction work that that Ira puts in. Um, mm-hmm. He has found his niche there. Uh, there's some other people who are a little bit maybe higher on the totem pole than Ira in terms of their uh, their position in that uh, in that room on that Saturday. But I can promise you this: um, nobody, you no, know, whether his name's Peter King or Rick Goslin or anybody else. Uh, John McClain, nobody works harder than Ira at, uh, at, at taking care of his duty, at carrying out his duties as a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. representative. He has, uh, he has absolutely uh, done a magnificent job of it. And uh, Ira, uh, I'll say it publicly here because, uh, you know, I feel, I feel this way every year. Good luck to you, my man. You gotta, I, I don't think you have that tough of a battle this year, but uh, you always have a battle in that room, winning votes for your guys. Uh, they both deserve it, so uh, bring home the goods this time, my friend. Well, thank you, Roy. And I'll say this, Roy. Um, you know, Rick Goslin, uh, Roy and I know him very well, and he's very well respected in that room. And he said to me when he found out that I was making two presentations, and Roy, he, he said to me, you must be prepared for the following question that will come up on uh, the Zoom call, because we're doing it by Zoom call next Tuesday. And he said, you have to be prepared to answer this question. And I said, what is it? And he said, somebody, it could be from Pittsburgh. It could be from Seattle. It could be from Miami. But somebody is going to ask you, Ira, if you could only get one of these two in, who should go in? And when Goslin said that to me, Roy, I did not hesitate. And I said, John Lynch. That's what I said. Um, And Rondé will have his day, even though he's a hell of a candidate. But let's be fair, boys. John Lynch has waited long enough. 
Amen. Let me do one thing. I don't want to. I don't want to bust in on Roy if he's still at any time. But a lot of people listening around the country to us right now don't really know what the procedure is. You and I talked about it as we all did on the show last year this time. And when you talk up in the room and you talk about priests, they don't know what you're talking about. So maybe we can just take a minute to explain what the procedure is and what your performance actually is. All right. Um, there's about 48 members of the panel selection committee. Um, and every city, every NFL city is represented. And then there's at-large guys like Roy mentioned, Peter King and John Clayton and, and national guys like that. Um, and, and, and there's two players that have had votes, which is James Lofton and Dan Faust. And this year, Tony Dungy and Bill Polian are in the room. And Lisa Salters will have a vote, Lisa Salters. So 48 people usually meet in the Super Bowl city on the morning before the game. And the meeting starts 7 in the morning. We usually don't get out till 4 in the afternoon. And there's a lot of candidates to go through. 15 modern day, and then you've got a coach, and you've got a contributor, and you've got a, a senior candidate. So there's usually about 18 people on that ballot. And you go through them one by one. And the, the, city, the city where the player uh, made his name and played the predominant part of his career, that's the city um, where the, where the uh, selector uh, is chosen to represent that guy. In other words, John Lynch, 11 years in Tampa, four years in Denver. He is considered a buccaneer, so it falls for the Tampa representative. Sometimes it's difficult. Dungy. Six years in Tampa, seven years in Indy. He won a Super Bowl with Indy. Um, but I made the presentation for Dungy. It took three times to get him in, but he's in. So um, they, they cut the 15 down to 10 in a preliminary vote at the end of the day. And then the 10 go to five. And at the end of the day, only five out of 15, one-third, get that call to Canton. And 10 people walk away disappointed and Roy knows that every time somebody says how could so and so not get in he'd say well who do you want to take out you can only pick five so it's a very harrowing process I know how much it means to these guys um, but um, it's uh, it's prestigious and it's a heavy responsibility and like Roy said I take it very seriously yes Roger yeah, well, I'll tell you, Ira, uh, I remember you were talking with uh, Chris Russo last week. I, uh, I heard that conversation. And uh, the question I have uh, to follow up with Don's uh, question is, the you got two new members that came in. You mentioned Tony Dungy and Phil Polian. Were, the, were the, the, the guys that, or the people that they replaced, were they media people? Uh, from uh, the, the cities, or were they general uh, uh, pe- people? You know, like you mentioned, Peter King and uh, and uh, you know, forget were, the other um, guy. They, yeah. they were um, they were at large people, and more importantly, um, for Buck fans, more importantly, uh, they were not John Lynch supporters. They were not, um, and I know that for a fact. But kind of in the room, I know who backs up Lynch and who doesn't. And they did not back up Link and Polian and Dungy uh, plan on um, talking uh, after I'm finished with my presentation, which is going to be a little shorter 
this year because I've lined up four or five people to talk about Lynch after I'm done. Great. And that always helps. That always helps. Yeah. I even got the guy from Denver talking about Lynch's years with the Broncos because last year, and this guy's a solid guy, and, and, and people respect him. Uh, Roy knows him, Jeff Legwald. He works for ESPN in Denver. And I asked for his help last year, but he was kind of torn uh, because he's trying to get Steve Atwater in last year. And Atwater okay. is a purebred Bronco, tried and true. Right. And, you know, of course, the Broncos, they want Atwater in ahead of Lynch because Lynch played most of his career in Tampa. Well, this year, Atwater's gone. He's in. And so this Jeff Legwald is going to he's going to talk up Lynch's years in Denver very passionately. I'm going to cover the Tampa years. I got Folian. I got Dungy speaking. And there might be a few more. Even Peter King has flipped on Lynch. Now he's a Lynch supporter. So without getting ahead of him myself, I think he's got a good chance. I don't know how much politicking can you do? As you say, you're out there working to benefit your candidate. Uh, how much politicking can you actually go out and do to work for him? Well, what normally happens, guys, is, uh, you know, look, the meeting's next Tuesday. And so right now I'm starting to get emails, letters of support for different candidates. Uh, you know, let's say uh, this year Calvin Johnson is up as a first-time guy. And so, you know, I'm getting letters from people that played with Johnson, played against them. Uh, the Detroit Lions are putting this stuff together because they obviously want Calvin Johnson to get a bust in Canton. And so that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's a little bit more than that at times because I was talking to Derek Brooks the other day, and, you know, God bless him. It's not above Brooks to call a couple of writers. He knows who's on that panel, and Brooks mm-hmm. calls. And when you get a call from Derek Brooks, you pick up the phone. And yes. <laughs> and Brooks has told me that he's already called a couple of guys saying, hey, John Lynch deserves it. Here's why. He's waited long enough, and, you know, do your due diligence and your duty and get John Lynch in. And, you know, every little bit helps, guys. Every little bit helps. Oh, yeah. Any comments? I'm just listening. I think uh, I remember what the the amount of work that he did to get a uh, certain uh, lineman from uh, the Bucks in and how ungrateful the guy was. I'm not going to mention the name. Well, well, he wasn't he wasn't ungrateful uh, an hour after he found out he was in. He cried on my shoulder, cried, and said he would do. He would do anything for me. He'll take me to Burns. He'll do this. He'll do that. And I looked at him and I said, hey, I only want one thing from you. He goes, what is it? Anything. And I said, now you can talk to me. You didn't talk to me for four years when I was covering the market. You didn't talk to me. I thought maybe he wanted a list of names from out in the city or somewhere. <laughs> you know, and in his mind, you know, and maybe, maybe if you're a two-time all-decade player, maybe you think like this. I got to understand his his mindset, but in his mind, he was he was a no-brainer. He was a sure thing, first ballot. Um, but talking to people uh, that are selectors, I knew going into that meeting that he was not a slam dunk. He was not. Uh, and for whatever reason, there was some opposition to him. And I had to get the focus on this guy as a football player. Of course, we're talking about 99, um, one of the great bucks of all time. And... Um, I mean, you can't deny a two-time All-Decade player. It's very, very rare. 
Um, and, and, you know, the fact that he didn't want to sign an autograph for a six-year-old, that, that's got nothing to do with, uh, with, with Warren Sapp having a bust in can. Absolutely zero. Roger? Well, that's, yeah, that's true, Ira, because we've seen it in every sport. I mean, you know, Steve Carlton, as Don uh, and, uh, knows especially, uh, you know, wouldn't talk to the media. But he's definitely a first ballot baseball Hall of Famer. So, you know, you're exactly you know, right. Um, I'll tell you where it, I'll tell you where it really uh, it really hit the road. This is about five years ago, um, and it's the most heated debate I've ever heard in that Hall of Fame room. I've done it for 15 years. Is uh, Terrell Owens T.O. Um, first ballot Hall of Famer? A lot of people thought, and by the numbers, I can't argue that. Um, I got him a notch below Randy Moss, and certainly below Jerry Rice. Uh, among modern-day uh, wide receivers, but he's up there. He's up there. Right. Um, and then this whole debate started about Terrell Owens as a bad teammate and a, a, a destructive force, a negative force on his teams that wanted to get rid of him, uh, one after the other. And it was a big discussion. And, you know, without naming names or giving you guys any quotes, which I, I'm, I'm precluded from doing, and I, you guys understand right. that. That room yep. has, to, has to remain uh, has to remain private. But um, you know some of the things that some of the coaches or teammates that Owens had when they're in front of a microphone, you know they're gonna nobody's gonna knock a potential Hall of Famer uh, in front of the cameras. You, you're not gonna do that. Um, right. Uh, but but our guys talk to these guys in private, and these guys knew that whatever they said would ne- never get out of that room. And they told a very different story about Terrell Owens as a troublemaker. And the big debate was, well, does it count? What kind of teammate he was? Does that count? And Warren Sapp's name came up in the debate saying, hey, you know, we put Warren Sapp in, and now you're going to penalize Terrell Owens. And I was the first guy to say, nobody, nobody ever said Warren Sapp was a bad teammate. Nobody. Um, and um, nobody wanted to get rid of Warren Sapp you know, time after time. And Warren Sapp didn't criticize his own quarterback. And Warren Sapp didn't quit on uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles midway through a season because he didn't like his contract. I mean, these right. are all facts. Um, yep. So, you know, Owens got in the third time around. A lot of people think we were nuts. A lot of people think our votes should be taken away from us. But you know what? I, I think how you are in that locker room and how you are as a teammate, I, I think that should, uh, that, that should be a factor. Uh, I think it's entitled to be a factor. And, by the way, on that note, what Roy said is very important. Uh, well, you've got to be a great player. There's no question about it. No getting around it. But if you're also a fantastic representative for the Hall of Fame, and I can't think of anybody that fits that more than John Lynch. Nobody. Uh, right. What, what, what a face for the Shield. And I can tell you guys that the president of the hall, David Baker, um, it breaks his heart every year when he has to call John Lynch uh, that afternoon when we're done and say, John, you came up a little bit short. And by a little bit short, I mean a little bit short. My information is he might have been one vote away last year, one yeah. Yeah. out of 48. I mean, that, that's heartbreaking. That's um, amazing. And, Baker, ba- yeah, and Baker's got to make that call seven years in a row to John Lynch yeah. saying, you didn't make it, John. Try again next year. That's tough. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot of people in that room that are rooting for Lynch, and let's hope he gets across the finish line. And wouldn't it be great 
Guys, wouldn't it be great on Super Bowl Sunday uh, in the stadium where he made his name that he gets introduced um, as, as a, a new member of the class of 2021? I think that'd be great. Absolutely. That's absolutely great. And, and I have about this uh, before we get into some other subjects. Uh, uh, after it's all over, after the, 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 the decision has been made, the week after that, on that Wednesday, I hope you'll join us to talk about exactly what you've uh, expressed here tonight about, and also Roy, not only about the person, but about the ability and about the time he's been up. So I, I hope that you'll join us that following Wednesday night to, to talk about that and, and, and the Super Bowl as well. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, that's very interesting that you bring that up. Roy, you still on this call, Roy? No, Roy, no, dropped. Roy drops out at 8 o'clock. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because, um, you know, we were talking to David Baker today, president of the hall, and we were asking him about the procedures. And, guys, I got to tell you, the meeting is next Tuesday, and I'm not sure um, – and they're not—they're not, they're not going to announce. They're not going to announce the new members of the hall until the night before the Super Bowl. I mean, it's like two and a half weeks. And yeah. And I told—I told Baker today. I said, David, you, you cannot keep that a secret for two and a half weeks. It's going to get out. It's going to get out. Right. Um, either some writer's going to put it out on a tweet, tweet, or the player's going to tell somebody. Uh, because the player's going to know. Baker's going to call them and tell them who's in. So the players right. are going to know, and I don't think they can keep it secret for two and a half weeks. So if I know by next Wednesday um, whether Lynch is in or out or Barber's in and out or out, I will come back, uh, and we will have a discussion, gentlemen. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Thank hey, you very, hey, very Ira, much. Before you go, I got one, one quick uh, thing uh, back. You brought up David Baker. And a friend of mine, uh, who Don knows, uh, and Tommy, too, uh, uh, Roger Gibson, we used to have coffee with him at Einstein's locally here when his son was playing for the Falcons. And, you know, I want to say I think he's done a great job of really developing the Hall of Fame, the way they're they're grown, and it's becoming a real real destination. Uh, You've got to be really uh, involved in this. You've got to be really happy with what, what he's done with the Hall. I don't think there's any question. I remember when Baker was um, involved with the um, Arena League. He was yeah. involved with the Arena League. And, of course, you're right. His son played for the Falcons. Pretty good player. Left tackle, if I remember. Um, yeah, you're right. David's a big, David's a big man. He, you know, he, he yeah. might go 400. He might be going 400. And uh, he's, he's a big man. Um, and he's done a very good job in Canton. Very good. He's got a new stadium there. Uh, he's got big plans to expand the hall. Uh, they're very ambitious. And, um, you know, I think right there with Cooperstown, it's right there in terms of Hall of Fames. And uh, if you've ever been there, and I've been there about three or four times, um, yes, I've been it's there. a fantastic Great. trip. It's a fantastic yeah. trip. And when you go in there, uh, and Baker told the story today, that uh, when he told Derek Brooks, uh, and, and Saf had already gone in the year before, and now it's 2014. He told Brooks, Derek, welcome to the Hall of Fame. The first question Brooks asked him, where are you going to put my bust in that room? Where are you going to put it? <laughs> uh, he, he was very interested. And Baker looked him in the eye and said, you're going right across from Warren Sapp. 
I just, uh, I really, I would favor the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, I said that before the season started when I looked at the roster, and nothing tonight I saw would change my mind. Roger? Yeah, well, I guess Sam feels the same way. You know, we've had him on too, Tom. And, of course, you know, we're all uh, good friends from the uh, sports writers. But uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I'm not living up there anymore, and uh, I would be miss going to those games because I'll tell you, that team, like you and I have talked about many times, got me back last year. But also, I wanted to uh, ask you, uh, what's your feeling about how uh, this uh, move with uh, firing Doug Peterson? was? I, I already expressed mine. I'd like to have your opinion about it. Well, I think I I texted you uh, the way I put it. I said it was uh, yeah. it was suicide by Jeff Laurie. You know, uh, yeah. suicide can be committed in many ways. You know, you can hang yourself, you can jump off a bridge, or in, in many in a lot of cases, uh, some uh, some people decide to uh, end their lives, what you call suicide by cop. You know, they know they're going to get shot and killed if they come at a cop with a gun. Well, I right. think Doug Peterson knew that the best way, and I really believe he wanted to be fired. He, he, didn't, he didn't want to quit. He's got too much pride. And somebody, oh, well, yeah, but he's got a couple of years left on his contract. Yeah, that's the monetary end of it. But I think uh, he just said, look, I've had it. You know, I've been, I've been protecting. I've been protecting and really backing up all the things that have gone wrong with Carson Wentz simply because you guys up in the front office, I've sold out and given him the biggest contract ever for a Philadelphia Eagle. And he said, right. and he was thinking, look, I, I just, uh, you know, I can't, I can't make you guys like look better anymore. Uh, he went and drafted a, a quarterback in the second round and he still wants to protect Carson Wentz. I, mean, I got to, and I, and then I think the final, the final nail on the coffin was the decision that uh, Doug made to, uh, to put the third string quarterback in there. Even though he said he was going to play the third-string quarterback, I think you change your mind when the game is still winnable, when you're only one score behind. And right. uh, I don't think he can. I mean, it, it, the only thing I have against that move is because it's a disservice to the veterans who wanted to win that game. And the guys are playing to win. But I think uh, Doug just figured, you know what? Haven't I done enough for you to fire me? Please fire me. And, and that's the way I looked at it. And uh, you're, you know, um, he's going to pick up a job in a, in a minute. But I, I, in answer to your question, that's the way I always saw. You know, I read, I mean, I'm reading between the lines when I hear Doug Peterson talk after the games. And, you know, he's trying so hard to protect Carson Wentz. Uh-huh. You know, even Absolutely. though he can't play him. He's trying so hard to protect the front office and, and, and try to cover for the mistakes that they've made. But after a while, it just got to be too much. And he said, you know, I'm out of here. I, I'm too proud to quit, but I hope they fire me. And then they did. Tom, the only question I have to you is that just to follow up on what Roger was saying, uh, there's been a, a, a differentiation between what actually took place. Uh, one one player came on with Roger uh, with Cataldi and said, oh, uh, we all knew he was going to. He was going to make that change in the fourth quarter. He, he wasn't going to. Brandon Graham. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, Brandon Graham came on with Cataldi and said that. But I, nobody has substantiated. Even today in the New York paper when they talked about, you know, they wanted him to go with the Jets. 
nobody substantiated the fact that they that they knew he was. And Judge is still talking about the fact my team plays for sixty minutes. My team doesn't play for forty-five minutes. They play for sixty minutes, and that's in today's paper. I mean, this is two weeks later. I if you if you go along with my thinking, Don, I don't think you have to substantiate whether it was decided that he was going to play him late in the game, no matter what the score was, or he was going to play him. Yeah, but they were saying the owner, the owner and the general manager told him that's what he was supposed to do. I can't believe that. Well, uh, no, I, 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 don't, I don't think that was their call. Uh, that, 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 wasn't, that doesn't make any sense to me to, to make that call. I agree. I, I, I think I it, was agree. Peter, it was Peterson's call all the way. And even if, I, even if that kind of an order did come down from upstairs, I think Doug Peterson had reached the point in his career with the Eagles that he didn't care. I don't care what the front office says anymore. And I, I'm just tired of backing. I'm just tired of covering up for the mistakes that are made by their highest paid quarterback. And I'm tired of making mm-hmm. covering up for mistakes that are being made by the front office. And I just think, please, please fire me so I can go on with my life. And I really believe that's, that was the thinking. Well, of Doug wow. Well, the, uh, yeah, the other thing, Tom, is that he wanted to promote Press Taylor to offensive coordinator. And, uh, well, and of course, they, they want outside guys to come in, uh, coaches. Let's, let's, go, let, let's go a year ahead of that. How about when he gave a vote of confidence to two coaches who, yeah. who, who Laurie immediately fired? I mean, 20, <laughs> 24 hours can, later, how, they're gone. Exactly. How, how, yeah. bad, how bad can you make your head coach look when he gives a vote of confidence to two of his assistants who are immediately fired by the front office. I mean, I, I mean, that's where it all started. I mean, okay, all right, let's go. And then things just kept piling up and piling up. And he said, forget about it. I'm out of here. Will you please fire me? And that's why I call it, you know, Doug chose, uh, chose suicide by Lori. That's the way I best describe that. And he knew that if he did this, he would be fired by Lori. And I, I really believe. Uh, he'll never admit that. And but Doug Peterson is a very proud man. I mean, I love the guy, and he's going to end up I somewhere. I do, too. There's six openings. Uh, you know, he's got his buddy who's the general manager of the New York Jets, uh, Douglas. He may bring him in. Who knows? But, uh, um, you know, Doug Peterson won't have any trouble getting a job. And, and I really believe that uh, he will be successful where he goes because he's a very smart guy. He called mm-hmm. the place all season long. And uh, I, I have no problem with that. Uh, some of the plays, uh, you know, and, but, you know, he said, well, you're going to hear guys saying, oh, geez, he went so many calls on fourth and two, fourth and long. That's Doug Peterson. You know, yeah. and if you have the if, – if that's what you're going to – you don't back off. If that's the way you think, if you have that kind of proactive approach to a game, you don't back off. You continue to be that way the rest of your career, the rest of the year, the rest of the season, and that's what you do. I have no problem with that. I like it. I enjoy it. If only because it goes against the grain of the National Football League, which, <laughs> you know, I used to call <laughs> National Follow Everybody Else League. Just be a little different. Give me a refreshing outlook on things in the National Football League instead of the same old. Right. Well, our, hey, hey, our Tom, special guest is Tom LeMain in Philadelphia. And, of course, Tom has been associated with sports as well as radio and television for, well, as many years as we all have. And uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about the Eagles, obviously, what's happening there, what's happening with the Flyers as they open the season. And 
Tom, let me just go back to the National Hockey League for a moment because, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, we said, uh, Tommy Gilbert's down celebrating the, the Stanley Cup uh, in Philadelphia or in uh, Tampa. Yeah. And uh, let's go. Let's get back to the to this year because I think the schedule. I think the way this schedule is made up, I think it's going to be a lot tougher to come up with a, with a winner. And I also agree with Roy, who was all with us earlier tonight, that depth is going to be a big part, and the Flyers have that. So two things, the depth, and the second thing is the schedule. I love the schedule. Hey, uh, even though they were forced into it because of the COVID, uh, you know, I remember talking to Ed Snyder on the year of the uh, last walkout, and I said, Ed, I guess when the teams uh, get back to playing again, you're probably going to lop off, uh, you know, maybe a couple of the franchises. And he goes, oh, Tom, why would you say that? I said, well, you know, you're playing the Columbuses and these guys, and you're only playing the Rangers. I said, Ed, last year, the year before the walkout, I said, Ed, the last year, the Rangers didn't come to Philadelphia until March. And he goes, really? I said, yeah, look it up. And since Ed was very strong, you know, in, in, in arranging everything for the National Hockey League, <laughs> the next year, the Flyers played the Rangers twice before it was springtime, and I and that, that's uh, you know and and I, and I think you know this this uh, this schedule which is a lot like baseball you know hey they're in for a two game series, Pittsburgh's in for a two game series I think Buffalo, Washington whatever and I think um, it, it's it's necessary because they want to avoid the travel and everything, but boy this is right. really going to set up some rivalries man you know when, yes. when you're playing a team eight times instead of four times. And you're playing them back to back many times in the in the season. Uh, I love it. I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to see the Western Conference teams and everything, and you know, until the playoffs and all. But uh, that's out of necessity. And it's like the old days, man. It's like the original six. You know, mm-hmm. you know when you uh, yeah you, you played these guys. That's all you played each other. And um, I, uh, you're right, Don. It's going to be hard to pick a winner, but. Uh, Whoever comes out of this uh, season as the top dog is certainly going to uh, to deserve it. That's for sure. I love it. Hey, I love the way. Tom, I, mean, I, I wanted to get back, back to, to the NFL for the Eagles for just one second. Uh, do you think that this uh, move that uh, Lori made, do you think this is going to uh, change the relationship he has with Andy Reid? I, I don't know the connection there. Yeah, I don't either. Well, why, would, you, why would you think I, that? No, I, I, well, I think because that's, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Peterson, is there an Andy Reid guy? No, not at all. Not at all. That's the furthest thing I would think. You know, it's that's long yeah, gone. Reid, Reid, yeah, uh, you know, is we're way over that, I think, Roger. Uh, no, I don't think anything. Uh, no, I can't see any connection there at all. Well, okay, the, the way he handled the whole thing. That's my point. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Andy Reid's going to say, yeah, are you surprised? <laughs> you know, that's the way I would look at it. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, he fired Doug. Breaking news. <laughs> no, no, yeah, but you know, it, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was the way, and with Howie, okay? Well, the thing you know, is, Roger, the thing is, Roger, that yeah, what the, we said earlier, and, and really uh, with Ira as well, whatever they say really doesn't have any meaning because – as Iris said, when you're in that room and you're voting, what they say in there about something is one thing, and what they say when they stand in front of a microphone is something completely yeah. different. And, and the exactly. same thing, 
Right, the same thing with Peterson. All year, as Tommy pointed out, if you saw those post-game shows on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, I mean, what they said there was embarrassing. I mean, you're sitting, you're sitting in your living room and you're watching it, and and you look at Peterson and say, how can this man possibly stand up and say these things? The team was so bad, these individuals were so bad they didn't. And then he covered them every single week. Didn't every, he, Tommy? Every every week. Every week, he Every was a week. good soldier. That, uh, that's the thing. I give him credit. He was a good soldier. You know, he kept on saying how many times every, you know, every week, like you said, he's saying, when they say, how come Carson doesn't do this, doesn't do we working with him, we're working with him. But Carson, <laughs> I, I think that he uh, was doing uh, what he wanted to do. That's what I think happened. I don't know. I don't know. I <laughs> And all they kept talking about when he was when they made the change, Hurts went in. All they kept talking about what a great supporter he was, standing on the sidelines, rooting for him, doing all this and all this. I mean, you know, unless you're there, unless you're in that room, you don't know. You have no idea what's going on. Well, on a positive, okay. How about Joe Allen B last night, Tom? Well, yeah. Um, well, let me put it. Let me. T- I guess it's not breaking news. That you know, Harden has signed with uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Thank God, thank God, the Har- the whole Harden mess is over with. And oh, yeah. no, if you're going to ask me, am I happy that the Sixers didn't get him? Yes, I am. He would yes, have been I such a too. disruptive. He would have been such a disruptive force on the Sixers, and it would have been disrupting the the program that Doc Rivers has put in place. And I, I'll tell you what, I don't. You know, a long time ago, somebody asked. Would you trade Ben Simmons? I said, not in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about it because Ben Simmons is going to be around a lot longer than James Harden. And you know what? If you don't have enough basketballs on that Brooklyn Nets team, I don't know. Who's, I mean, you know, you know, you might have Kyrie Irving staying out a lot longer than he's doing now. Not that he knows that he has to share the ball with James Harden. But they, they don't know I, whether Tyrese even going to show up for a game, Tommy. I mean, it's a, the guy walks away. Exactly. He doesn't and even you know what? Nothing. And you should have known that's what you're going to get when you get a guy like Kyrie Irving. I I never liked him. I didn't like his attitude. And uh, and you know, the Nets are getting what they paid for. And and I'm I'm, I'm too bad that they have to suffer through that. But in, in answer yeah, to Yeah, but the same thing question, with Harden, Tommy. I mean, here's a guy making a hate, what, $180 million or whatever it is, and they got a long-term contract, and he doesn't want to show up. I don't, I, I don't want to be there. You you got to trade me to another team. I want to go to – I want to play in Brooklyn. What the – Well, what I don't kind want of a league, what, what kind of a league are you – I mean, if you're the commissioner of that league, you've got, you know, you you know, you got to step in and say something. <laughs> But you don't know if he's going to say the same thing after trying to find out how he's going to share the ball with Tyree Irving. You know, I mean, if he's got that thinking, if he's got that thinking in his head now, there's a pretty good chance he's still going to have that thinking in his head later on. But getting back to Roger's point about Joel Embiid, I mean, a guy, if there's a guy who can take an entire team and put a, put them on his shoulders, it's, it's Joel Embiid. And, you know, two things I, I am really hoping for as far as he's concerned. I, I, I believe he's in better shape. Uh, I think he has to change his off-court off habits. I think he may have done that. I don't like the fact that he's uh, injured all the time. That's whether he's injured or it's a, God forbid, a load, a load management situation that's still going on. But, I mean, here's a guy. I mean, you know, he's triple teamed. I've, I, last night I saw the – 
I saw that he put four guys on him. I mean, it's a, when you do that, and you know the the, uh, the moves that the new uh, general manager has made. I mean, uh, Danny Green only has a few more miles left on him, but you know he can show how he bounces back from an over night to a high scoring night in, in just forty eight hours. And uh, you know Curry, you know the great shooter that he is. I mean, they were perfect addition. They were perfect additions uh, to fit into what the Sixers are trying to do. And uh, and I think uh, I think adding those two guys and the approach that that Doc Rivers is taking right now has rejuvenated uh, Joel Embiid to the point where he's uh, getting himself squared away physically, and uh, is um, you know he uh, he says you know I'm going to bring the ball up. Last night he said I'll bring the ball up if they want me to. He said I have no problem with that. Anything the team needs me to do, and if I'm going to stay out, you know, deep past the circle so we can open up things in the middle, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I, I think uh, he, he, he realizes that the team does count on him to do things like that, and he's willing to uh, to take on that assignment. Well, Mike Simpson is standing by in the wings, ready to go. Tommy, I thank you very, very much, as thank always. So and uh, I'll tell you, you, uh, hey, you have a lot more support for the uh, NBA than I do right now. I don't. I just can't. Uh, I just can't go along with people running things the way they're running that league. I, mean, I love well, Doc. I think he's a great you know, coach. I, I, I didn't. I didn't get into that. I mean, I'm just saying I can't help what they're doing schedule wise. Uh, but I mean, if, if, if Roger asked me a question specifically about the 76ers, but here, Don, I want you guys down there in that Palmetto, Sarasota area. I want you to do me a favor. When 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 spring training opens. I want you guys to cross that Manatee River and go over and watch the Pittsburgh Pirates spring training. Let's give a little Ooh, love okay. to the to the poor Pirates down there. I know you may want to are go you, to Sarasota. Are you, talking about tw- are you talking about 22 or 23? <laughs> <laughs> what year are you talking no, about? <laughs> just, just go well, you said spring training. I want to know. Are you talking about spring training in 22 or 23? The next spring training there is. Whatever oh, 22. And go see, go see the Pittsburgh Pirates work out. And I know the tendency, will be, the tendency will be to go to Sarasota and see the Chicago White Sox and the highest paid relief pitcher ever in the history of the game. But forget the White Sox. I know they're probably closer. Just Cross that Manatee River and give some love to the Pittsburgh Pirates while you're down there. <laughs> I'm only I'm only 12 miles away. I go to every I go to every other game. I go to the Orioles one day and I go to the Pirates the next day. So I I'm 12 Good. miles separated the two states. So I can I see them both and I also see their minor league complex. In fact, I was over there about two weeks ago to talk to somebody yeah. about something and. Uh, uh, oh, I love the pirate complex. I love what they've done at Brayton, and mm-hmm. and of course, as I say, I live it's ten minutes from uh, Ed Smith Stadium in in in, uh, in Sarasota. Well, so I to, see them all. I'm glad to hear that, Don. You already answered yeah. the question. That's fine. But I just hope. I just hey, hope. Hey, Tom, I just. I hope there is a spring training. What's that, right? Frank's the, in, for, in, the, in his backyards in Bradenton. There you go. Right, Frank. Sir. Uh, yes, sir. Well, yeah, he has no. He has no excuse not to go see them, then. 
I'm not. I'm just not confident there's going to be a, t- a 21 spring training myself. But maybe I'm going to be wrong about that. But we'll wait and see. But anyway, let's. We got to get to Mike, Tommy. Thank you very, very much. Tom, have a great day. We'll be in touch. Thank uh, you. Take care. All right, Roger. Take Bye. care. Always a fun 20 minutes. Great. Oh, great 20 <laughs> minutes. Mike Zepchek, you're. Your, your Washington Redskins had a, a very unusual game uh, <laughs> in the playoffs. And something I, I, I want to hear from you because I don't understand. How did they go all the way along during the week and they knew Smith wasn't going to play and they play a guy that's only played one game, not even a full game in, in the National Football League, and they're playing him at quarterback in, the, in a playoff game? How did this happen? It's Washington. What do you want me to tell you? I just want real quick one to p- p- pick up on a couple of things that Tom was saying in the last segment. I don't know if you all were aware. Um, they recently announced after the Harden trade that they were rescheduling. The NBA was rescheduling all Brooklyn Nets games for one o'clock Eastern time. That way they could put them up against Bold and the Beautiful and Young and the Restless and all the rest of the soap. <laughs> <laughs> But the soap operas will get the better rating. You know that. <laughs> I don't understand it. I mean, I don't know how they're going to play defense. Has anybody have lost more more guys than, than – than, like, I'm, I'm, James Harden loses more guys in defense than Kerry Bradshaw on Section the Six. <laughs> I don't know. You're going, to, you're going to have to get somebody else to write these one-liners for you. <laughs> hey Mike, Tommy, Mike, Tommy G calling right now. Right now, see the Lightning raised their banner for two, for last year's Stanley Cup year. It feels weird sitting in the building right here outside the hallway, and no fans or nothing up there. And that and it felt it felt real weird. But the banner's up there now, and no score in the hockey game, no fans in the seats down there. We have to sit in a special section up there, and that. So hopefully, we'll be back to normal. But what? You, What's your take about Washington this year? What do you think about, um, you know, Sedano Charles with, with the with the with the Capitals? That's a great move for them. <laughs> Tommy, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I think the average, I, and I knew that this was gonna happen tonight. Um, the average age of the Capitals team is Methuselah. Uh, they mm-hmm. are the epitome of that person that we all know. When you go to the bar and you get ready to leave, let's have one more. I mean, like, how many times can you run it back? They have <laughs> their opening day roster. I kid you not. Their opening day roster has eight uh, outfield players under the age of 30, right? And two of those guys are going to turn 30 during the season. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I don't really understand the Zidane Chara move in this respect. Um, Zidane Ochoa is a big body and a great defenseman, right? But mm-hmm. he was never one of the quickest skaters on the face of the planet 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's 43 now. What was killing the, 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 the Caps last year was speed. And mm-hmm. so they went out and got somebody who was bigger, tougher, and slower. A team that mm-hmm. has... Uh, John Carlson and uh, Tom Wilson, I don't ever think it's going to be lacking for physicality or grit. I, I don't really understand the move from that perspective. But, you know, they are in win-now mode. And mm-hmm. 
if it's not this year, then I don't know what they're going to do. It is a team that, when you look at their their defense, or their, their forward lines, it's it's an older team. They're but they're mm-hmm. extremely young in goal. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov, who's coming off of a half a season played because he didn't play in the playoffs because he got injured in an ATV accident. And the guy that's behind him doesn't have much experience either. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, Hopefully, Zdeno Chara can bolster the defense because I question what's going to happen if they get a lot of goals on net or or shots on net. And if anything that I'm seeing from these first couple of games, you know, I know you're watching um, Tampa Bay. I'm watching uh, Montreal and Toronto right now. Wow, great series. It's it's. It's a lot of scoring. Their 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 shots being fired is very offensive this year, mm, and goaltending is going to be at a premium. People who were predicting that Carter Hart for the Flyers could be in the uh, the MVP trophy conversation, the Vezina Trophy conversation, the Hart Trophy. I agree with them. Like even from what I saw the first couple of games, you know, goaltending, quality goaltending, even if it is like you have a massive number as your goals against average, uh, if you can stop a couple of shots and keep your team in it like Carter Hart mm-hmm. did this evening, right. you're going to, the mm-hmm. offense will catch up. Lightning's just on the power play right now, Mike. You know, if you also talk about the hundred Kucherov, they lost Kucherov for the year, but this is, this is Brandon's points team. Sam Coast is back healthy. This is Brandon's points team right now. So he's going to take it a long way right now. And, and Bruce Boudreau, the old coach at Anaheim Ducks, that's an NHL network, while having dinner, he projects the Lightning will win the cup again. Because there's a lot of youngsters that transition right now, upcoming, coming strong with this with hockey team. Babalewski's he's a Vezelin Trophy winner again if he's, he's on his game and the only thing missed is Kucherov. Kucherov scored goals but he never played defense, two way hockey player. Never played that way in that so it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a thing the only thing I miss about this hockey season, I won't see Ovechkin, Zanino Charles, Claude Giroux, uh Sidney Crosby and the Boston Bruins and Canadians and Toronto coming in there. We got the Chicago Division, Carolina Detroit, I mean, Florida, where we see those guys, but I don't know if any rivalries will come out of that division, but look at the, look at the Washington division with the Flyers, Rangers, that's going to be a great, great division to follow and watch in hockey this year. Score, I, was like just talking, I was just talking to my stepfather before I got on the air with you, and he's from Montreal. He's a diehard Canadians fan, and he was Hold telling on, me Mike, just the Lightning how... Is, the Lightning just scored one nothing on the power play. Yeah, so he was telling me how excited Canada is right now because they have, you know, day in, day out, these Canadian teams playing against each other and just how wow, that's enthused right. Canada is to, you know, open up a season with Montreal and Toronto and then know oh, that original you got Mike right there. Yeah, you got the Senators, you got Vancouver, you've got Edmonton, you've got Calgary, and right. every night of the week, those teams are going to be playing against each other. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg, exactly. you throw in there, I forgot about them, and just how right. excited like Canada is right now for this. Uh, I'm 
I know that the division realignment isn't going to stick and stay. And, you know, the thought of the Lightning in Florida in a quote-unquote conference with Chicago doesn't exactly sit well with me. I would be it'd be really interesting if they could keep this Canadian division together yes. because I think that you know the Canadian fans would love it mm-hmm. even as a casual hockey fan I, I'm watching mm-hmm. you, you know Toronto and, and the and the Canadians right now and looking mm-hmm. forward to the thought of seeing like the Canadians playing. The, the the senators in Winnipeg and and, okay. and and Edmonton on a regular basis, you know, I wonder if you know. Let's rewind the American divisions, but can mm-hmm. we figure out a way to keep this Canadian thing going? Because I I love them to death, and I do love it when the Canadians come down and play the the, the Capitals, or when the can, mm-hmm. the Canadians play the 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 Flyers, but. There is something about seeing those Canadian teams play each other exactly. all the time that I exactly. kind of like. Update, update, Mike, in, in Tampa Bay. Andre Palat scored a power play goal in the first period, one nothing Tampa Bay. So that's a, that's a good start for the champions. It's been a big night down here with the raising of the banner. And you, and you see that 2020 go up on the, on the rafters along with 04. Just, wow. Special meaning, that special meaning for the building tonight, but no fans in there. But hopefully that could be able a couple months going down the line right now. But that's the thing I miss, Mike. I miss the old Vetskins coming down here. Uh, Cindy Crosby, uh, you know, I miss these, it's the, the stars of the game coming down here. But that's the way it I happened. I mean, it's going to stink for me this year. I'm not going to get to see the Flyers play the Capitals. And oh, look no, to that's everybody right. in this area when the Flyers win. Right, <laughs> that's right. But they're off to a good start today, the Flyers were. But it's just going to be a great, great season of hockey. Thank God Bettman got this season underway. Thank God the building was open. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's great to be in here on opening night. It's just, it's just a, I wouldn't miss this for the world. And I'm so happy to be, be here. And, but downtown Tampa and everybody, it's a maze down here. And, you know, East, East Lot, it's a hotel going up. The West Lot's million-dollar condominiums going up. Like, wow. So you have to go from the port garage. You know, Frank, that's where the, port, the ships come in. You're walking through a mouse through a maze to get to the arena. But, hey, that, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. Just for here playing hockey with everybody. And every, and this is a great, great game, a great sport right now. Glad to hear that they're doing well. Um, yes. Don, back to what you were asking me. How did the Washington Redskins know that Alex Smith wasn't going to play, play Tyler Heineke, who's only played a game? <laughs> yeah, that's D.C., dude. That, that, that's what we do around here. <laughs> well, I'll say one thing for him. And, uh, uh, Tony Dungy really, uh, uh, I thought he really expressed himself beautifully about the game. You couldn't have expected anybody. I don't care who, what quarterback in the National Football League could not have played much better than he played not only those conditions, but, I mean, if he right. were a veteran, well-known, the guy played so well, it, how can he be 27 years old and never have an opportunity to play and then step in and play in a game <laughs> like that and play that well? I think that he proved that he has a place in the NFL. Um, I 
think that he will get a shot next year. I don't believe that it's going to be here um, because they've got Outsmith still under contract. Uh, Keenan Allen will come back from the leg injury. And I don't know if you can sit there and say after that performance, you can turn around to this kid and say, yeah, we're going to give you like a practice team contract or a 13 quarterback contract. Um, And I don't, have confidence that they're going to – I don't think they'd look at him. I don't think necessarily he's a starter, but he, he look, has the look of a quality backup. Mm-hmm. And he can make more money with a better opportunity someplace else. So, look, full credit to a guy stepping up and proving that he can do it. Uh, he said – and he, I think he's right. You know, I believe that I proved that I can stay. I have a place in this league. And when you look at the number of teams in the NFL and the lack of quarterback play, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a shot at least as a backup uh, someplace mm-hmm. because he proved that he can play. Well, I, he certainly did that. I mean, I mean, we've seen an awful lot. The Eagles brought a guy in in the in the second half or in the fourth quarter of the game that didn't mean anything, and he couldn't play three plays. This guy plays in a, in a playoff game and steps in and plays like a veteran. I mean, I, I thought it was unbelievable the way he did it, and and I agree with you in in terms of uh, uh, he's going to get a contract somewhere. Uh, but if you have a Smith on your team as your quarterback, I mean, don't you really have to double protect? Uh, because as happened, and again, I want to go back to that point. They didn't announce until the morning before the game or the morning of the game that he wasn't going to play, that they, well, he wasn't even going to dress. So, I mean, how how far can you go with a player like that? You can't, you can't put your whole season on it. I don't think they can put their whole season on it. Um, I know they waited as long as humanly possible to figure out whether or not he was going to play, right? Because if Alex Smith was going to play, uh, then they were going to let him. He's coming off. Well, oh, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that, but I, I, I don't know. It just, it just seemed to me the way it all transpired mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, wasn't, it wasn't, it, they were always saying it was a game time decision, but they say that in the national football league every game. This is a game-time decision. But, uh, you know, obviously he was not in any shape to play. And uh, you, 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 I don't know. I just don't know how – listen, I, I give him all the credit in the world. That he can, the coach had all the confidence in the world that he could come in and play, and he did. Right. So, I, I give – I mean, if, if they'd have played anybody else but Tom Brady that day, they, uh, they'd have won. I mean, they'd have won the game. Right. Well, uh, the other thing that we got to talk about is how good that defense is because mm-hmm. that was what kept them in that game and set him up in a position where he could. Remember. Yeah, but they never what, put any pressure. I, I thought myself, we, we talked about this, and I'll tell you, I picked Washington to win the game because I thought Smith was going to – well, let me put it this way. I qualified it. I said if Smith can play, if he can't play, then there's no bet. But I picked Washington to win the game. But I thought their mm-hmm. defensive front four – would put a lot of pressure on Tom, and it never really happened. They only, you only get really touched twice. 
but it wasn't about for them. It wasn't about necessarily putting the pressure on getting to him and trying to sack him because Tom Brady still has one of the quickest releases in the league mm-hmm. as slow as he is. And he's as slow as a, a, a as an hourglass. He's like Dan Marino. He can just get that ball out before you get there. And they knew that right. what it was, was kind of disrupting the lanes that he was going to throw into putting a body in places to disrupt his sight. That didn't, didn't work very well. It didn't work perfectly, but um, they were able <laughs> perfectly. to create. They scored, what did they score, 34 points? Yeah, and probably could have hmm. scored more. But, it, you know, the deep, I think the defense helped keep them from it being like 49-50, right? Yeah, but, I mean, um, the prior five games, they kept everybody under 20 points. And I thought they would keep Tampa Bay under 20 points. In that but particular the game, games, they didn't play against a team like Tom Brady that had an offense like the Bucks did. Yeah, but as Bruce said, Bruce Arians said it all week this week in the papers, and Andy, the, 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 you know, Tampa Bay did not play a very good game. I mean, it was one of their poor games. Mm-hmm. Well, that just tells you where the Washington Red, the Washington Football Team, really is, because I think that the Washington Football Team played about as good as they possibly could. And that was the end result. I thought the offense did a lot more than I expected them to. Heineke was able to move the ball. Uh, I understand in the second, in the third and fourth quarter, he was actually playing a little bit hurt, but they didn't have anybody behind him. Uh, He was able to make decisions. But if the conversation is starting with the fact, like, do you keep him? I think they would love to keep him. I just think Mm -hmm. that, you know, if he's making a business decision and he's going to get an offer for, you know, a guaranteed million, $2 million to go someplace right. else, I would expect him to take it. You know, if you have to. But what's Washington going to do? He's been there. He's been there for a while. I mean, he knows the system. Obviously, he came in and played. I mean, are they just going to let him walk? Um, I, I don't know if they're going to. I think they'll make him an offer. It's going to be up to him to take it, but he's also going to understand he's going to have to look at the situation. He is going to go into next season probably third on the depth chart, right? He's going to go in the next season behind Alex. Who's second? Who's second? Keenan Allen, the the kid who was starting before Alex Smith came back and replaced Dwayne Haskins, right? That's a guy that Ron Rivera likes. He was his starting starter last season. For a while in Carolina, he trusts him. He was playing pretty well before he took the leg injury. Um, he's a couple of years younger. He's got a longer-term guaranteed contract. If my money's on it, I think the upside on him is a little bit more where they're going to because of the familiarity, right? Okay. Um, Heineke's 26. Seven, you know, he's been on the practice squad. He, he got in. He, let's be honest, he played one really good game in a pretty solid half. I'm not betting on that for a, a whole entire season because I, I've said a number of times on this show, defensive coaches watch tape too, right? All you need is about three, four weeks of tape on him to realize if he has any tendencies. And then you might be able to eat the kid up. Uh, there's a reason why. Well, I thought the biggest tendency he had, which was which was which what everybody's looking for right now, 
is a mobile quarterback. I mean, look look how mobile he was, and not only not only mobile but physical. And uh, you know that's what the league is looking for now. They're looking away from the Brady's. They're looking away from the guys that go back and get in the pocket. They're looking for people that can move. And this kid mm-hmm. showed he could do both. I've also shown, seen Josh Johnson do the same thing for the Washington football team. And you know what team he's on right now? I yeah, have no I'm idea. Silent. I, 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 I have no idea either because I don't even know <laughs> he's still in the league. But he won yeah. a, team, a game for as a starter for the for the Washington football team uh, last year. And so mm-hmm. um, I will say personnel directors miss some things, but they don't miss everything. There's mm-hmm. a reason why this guy was buried on a depth chart for the Washington football team for so long. There has to right. be something to it. And I don't right. know what that is. I'm not in the, the place. I think he played. I think he proved that he can play in the NFL. I think that you're going to have a quarterback team next year that's going to, uh, that needs a second-string uh, second quarterback that's going to go out and get him. And I'd say some credit. If I'm in his position at 27, I'm taking all of that money. I'm running. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to sit at what I know is going to be third on the Washington football team's depth chart, mm-hmm. if that, because believe me, right. if they can get a young kid in the third, fourth, fifth round, uh, they'll go with that. Well, well, wait. See, I'm watching. Your, I'm watching a replay right now of the uh, Saints and Buccaneers game earlier this season, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm I'm looking at the sense of you know what Breeze is doing, what Breeze can do, and, and again, it shows the mobility, it shows the capability of making plays out of nothing, and uh, that that's what this kid did. And, and so, uh, to me, I would think if I were, I would certainly. To give him a contract as a backup, no question about that. I mean, if, if I were a GM, I'd say this guy has to have a chance to play. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I just, I, I'll be very interested to see what uh, management does in the off season, what Washington does in the off season, what decisions they make about him because they'd be really interesting. I think the other thing that though that you got to deal with with the, uh, the, the Washington football team is this. Um, let's be honest. I think they walk in as, and I know that there are going to be some Cowboys fans and some Giants fans who might be upset to hear me say this, but <laughs> based on what happened last this year, I think that you have to place them as kind of favorites to win the NFC East next year. You know, even if it is Alex Smith, uh, the Alex Smith that I saw was a lot more decisive than I'd seen him be in the past. If you put some weapons around him, if you get a wide receiver opposite Terry McLaurin, if you get a second tight end to play with Logan Thomas, who actually at the beginning of the season, we thought Logan Thomas was a joke by the end of the season. We're like, Hey, this guy's they're down here. They're like, this, this guy's a pretty good tight end. Um, if you upgrade the line a little bit, uh, and put some more attention on the offensive side of that football uh, of that team. I think that they have all the pieces to be the favorites. You know, the Cowboys are right. still the Cowboys. Well, the, the NFC East was so weak that every I, I you know I talked earlier uh, about the new defensive coordinator that they brought in <laughs> because he yeah, brought in Dan Dallas. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Don. I, I think, think I think Cowboys that's really going to help. 
I think the I think Cowboys it, are going to be resurrected with Dan Quinn as the D.C. I really do. So do I. But, that's that's hey, why I brought hey, it up. Mike, I, 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 I've been listening to all this. I have a, a question for you. Uh, any speculation on a name uh, uh, for the uh, Washington football team other than that yeah. name? That name. Or they're going to go Washington Football Club. Everything that uh, around here right now kind of indicates that Dan Snyder is happy to lean into this whole Washington Football Team, Washington Football Club sort of thing. Um, Say what you want about it. I'm not going to lie and say I'm the biggest fan. But uh, he has indicated he is more than willing to keep it like this. Now, I don't know if there are forces beyond football and marketing that are pushing him to that decision. Uh, I have speculated a lot on ownership and and things going on behind the scenes and, and with the ownership and the minority owners. I've talked a lot about that on this show. But well, we got to cut it right there, Mike. Doug's ready to go. Well, Mr. Hamilton is ready to go, and he's just he's chomping at the bit to talk to in the playoffs. That's what yeah. I mean. He wants Thanks, to talk Mike. about those Ravens. I know that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thank you, Mike. Mike. Have All a right, great week. Take care. It's on. Give you an update down Doug. here. You know, I'm going to give a first update about the Lightning. 3 nothing Lightning right now. Collat scored. And also Alex Corn, my buddy, got an assist. 3 nothing in the first period. Go ahead, Doug. Okay. Let's, uh, Doug, a couple of things. One, you're, before we get to golf, uh, your Ravens put on a great show. Your quarterback put on a great show. And now it's a big week coming up. What do you think? Well, the, um, the Baltimore football team, you know, the uh, – the Ravens were found the, – the term Ravens was found offensive to other species of birds, uh, so we're going to call them the Baltimore <laughs> football team. Um, <laughs> That's the old Browns, yeah, though. Thought, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, at least at least we have an actual logo and, you know, the, you know we talk about Ed, right. Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a color. You're brown and and your helmets are orange and I still don't understand that, but whatever. I know I don't either. <laughs> never have. Doug. I never. Or it's, or or they show that little like hunchback like friar looking dude that's supposed to be like your mascot, which is ridiculous anyway. But either way, mm-hmm. you know we're not we're not here to talk about you know the Browns because you know whatever the the Ravens um, played an excellent football game. I think that um, you know the the redemption in mind from losing the last two games uh, to, to Tennessee uh, was well worth watching. Um, you know, I think uh, Lamar played a great game. Their defense played spectacular to hold uh, Derrick Henry. Um, he was a fabulous, fabulous running back um, over 2000 yards this year. He was very frustrated uh, with his inability to get anything going. Um, they, they contained Ryan Tannehill. Um, I, I mean, Offensively, they ran the football well, so they they played, I think, a complete football game. I know um, Tucker missed a field goal. They had some <clears throat> penalties, although be it questionable. I thought the the very first touchdown Tennessee scored, I think, could have been perceived as offensive pass interference. Um, wasn't called, big deal. Um, I thought the penalty on um, Willie Sneed towards the end of the game where they called him for offensive pass <clears throat> interference on a fourth down. I think was very questionable. The uh, the 15 yard taunting at the end of the game I thought was 
a whatever call, uh, at least for me to watch. I, I mean, if they would have given them a 50-yard penalty, I, I'm happy that they danced all over their logo because it was done to them. So, um, <laughs> you know, Mike Mike Rabel can call somebody and get his tee times. Their season's over. Um, I think they're a classless classless organization. Um, mm. So, you know, we'll, we'll move on to the Buffalo Bills. So, Roger? Yeah, the uh, uh, I think – well, let me ask you this. We were talking about it earlier, Doug. Who do you pick uh, to win this game against uh, Buffalo and Baltimore? Hmm. It is – you know, obviously my, my heart tells me that I want the Baltimore Ravens to win. Sure, um, absolutely. I think they, they, I have, they, have, they have to play an excellent football game. I mean, Buffalo is incredibly good. Um, Josh Allen can just – sling in a mile um he has excellent wide receivers their their mo is going to be to move the football uh through the air i'm sure sure that he'll get his chances to to run and get out of the pocket and scramble i mean i think he presents the same type of issue that patrick mahomes does which has been a problem for the ravens i think that if their idea is to go man-to-man coverage on defense they're going to have a gigantic problem and um it's going to be you know a high scoring affair for for buffalo um, if, if they kind of sit back in some zones and, and have a chance to get some pressure, um, Buffalo does not run the football very well. They don't really have a, a tight end to speak of. I think Cole Beasley is an issue over the middle in terms of our linebacker and coverage, um, you know, in, in that intermediate area. Um, John Brown is a pretty much one trick pony in terms of, a, you know, the Ravens had him at one point in time. He's a deep threat. Stephon Diggs is as good as it gets when it comes to talented wide receivers and presents a, a problem in terms of, you know, matchups, but I think you, you look at a guy like Diggs and say, okay, well, he's going to get his seven, eight catches as long as they're not chunk yardage. Um, if they're six, eight yards, 10 yards at a clip, we're fine as long as it's not a big play. Um, obviously, the Ravens run the football extremely well, and I think that Buffalo's defense is not really designed to stop the run. You know, I've always had question marks. Um, the, the way the Tennessee game played out, you know, the Ravens got the football, they, they kicked a field goal, and, and they don't typically play well from, from behind. They were down, was it the 10, nothing, I think, um, you know, early on. So uh, it, it's, if they can get maybe a turnover or a couple stops on them and, and get some momentum, I think they'll be fine. But if they, if it gets into a shootout, I think they're going to have a problem, you know, catching up. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the Ravens have won what six straight now. Buffalo's won, I think nine of their last 10. So, mm-hmm. It's it's hot versus hot, and um, I think the weather is going to be a potential issue in Buffalo. I think uh, that's exactly exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was going to ask you because it was a big week for yeah. the Hardballs. First of all, ball, uh, the Ravens win, and uh, of course his brother gets a big contract at Michigan, so it was a big weekend for the two brothers. But your point just now coming up about the weather, uh, I'm a little yeah. bit surprised. I I thought that uh, you know they may get the earlier game. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing the 8:15 game and up at Orchard mm-hmm. Park, and I think that, that really depends on what the weather's going to be like. Whereas Green Bay, normally, like for instance, for, uh, for the, for the uh, uh, Buccaneers, Brady got the uh, he got the prime game and he got the night game because they want him on TV. I thought they would want uh, you know Green Bay on the prime game too, but they didn't. They they put the, right. they made. The Ravens a prime game at 8:15, and and uh, mm-hmm. that surprised me a little bit. I thought. You know, I just thought it would go the other way around. Right, the Rogers would yeah. get it. That's right. I yeah, it's, it's, too. it's certainly hard to say. I don't know what the protocol is for determining whether it's coin flips or, you know, whatever. Um, 
you know, I know that in most cases, um, you know, team, you know, from a football watching standpoint, I think Buffalo is kind of like a, a USC of yesteryear. You know, you, you don't really get a chance to see him play if you're on, mm-hmm. you know, in certain spots. You know, I think um, right. I, I, I had the, the uh, direct TV Sunday ticket or whatever this year so that I could kind of watch a bunch of different games. And I enjoyed, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs on my mm. fantasy football team this year. I took a flyer on both. And um, I think it's interesting to note that, you know, when you talk about Lamar Jackson last year and his ascension to MVP, you know, he took such a big jump from year to year uh, that no one really expected, I don't think, him to win that MVP. And I think that Josh Allen from last year to this year did the same thing in terms of how much he grew as a quarterback um, and mm-hmm. just how talented he is. And obviously, you know, Buffalo started to put some pieces around him. And, I mean, they're, you know, worth noting also that they had uh, – one of their top defensive linemen uh, signed with Arizona, I believe, in the in the off season, and I also believe that uh, one of their other defensive linemen opted out because of the COVID. Um, I mean, so they're actually a better football team than than what they're going to show uh, defensively, at least. Um, but I mean, I, I think when they played Miami the final game, Miami's uh, overall scoring defense was first in the NFL, and by the time they were done playing the game, they had dropped the sixth because they scored so many points on them. So, um, you know, statistically they can, they can make it happen. I mean, you know, they, they do a lot of things. They push the ball down the field, Josh Allen, right. you can, he can absolutely sling it. He has mm. uh, an incredible, you know, incredible arm. Um, I, I agree, but I think you got to have weather. I, I, you know, it, mm. right. I, I hate Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Every time I go to Buffalo, rains or snows or, I mean, it, it's the worst <laughs> climate in the world. And Roger, I think you know. I'll let you get your point in as to what you think. But I'll tell you, I think before you make any kind of decision on that game, uh, the Ravens, I think, are a better club. But you got to wait for the weather up there. I mean, it's just so yeah. bad. And of course, <laughs> right. as Roger said, we want to. Yeah, that's Same what he says every time he does. Every time he does an interview at the game, he says, "I want those teams to play to come here. I want to play them in Green Bay because that." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a big. It really does. It makes a big difference. Sure. Well, let me well, tell you. Let me tell you this. I I heard David Deal, you know, the former lineman uh, for the attack, tackle for the Giants, talking about in seven and eleven when they played mm-hmm. at Green Bay. He said, to, "I just heard him this morning." As a matter of fact, with Bob Papa, he said it took two months to get the frostbite out of his left middle finger after playing at minus 20 in Green Bay in that game. Oh, it's terrible. Two months. He's lucky he didn't have to have it amputated. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. That's what I say. I think those two games, you got to, I mean, you're pretty much assured, not not necessarily that there'll be snow, but you're pretty much assured that if they're playing in Green Bay, it's going to be somewhere somewhere around 10 Mm -hmm. degrees. Mm-hmm. That's right. But they're, as they say, the least they're going to get the least they're going to get the four thirty-five game. They're not going to get if they played it. Can you imagine if they played it eight fifteen at night <laughs> in Green Bay in January? I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's not what Almighty advertising power, Don. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, to your point, Don, I think that you know the the worse the weather, the better it is for the Ravens. I mean, they're they're built for that in terms of their their power run game. I mean, in their last, what, uh, six games that they've won, I mean, they've rushed for, I'm just guessing, more than 1,500 yards in that time mm-hmm. frame. So, um, 
you know, I think that's kind of what they're built for. And, you know, so I, I hope it's cold. I hope it's kind of snowy. I hope, you know, weather is a determining factor in the game because I think it definitely benefits uh, the Baltimore. Well, it's to, a little bit silly, you know, because of the, the number of yards that Jackson gets on his own. I mean, what did you get this last week? 200? No, yeah, so 126, I think it was. But, mm, it was. you know, but that's 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 been one of the biggest differences in – you know, the, the win streak that they've had is that he he even said this. Um, you know, I've been listening to um, 105.7, the fan, an awful lot in my ride to work and, and home. And Lamar was saying how he's just gotten back to playing, you know, kind of Lamar football, which is, mm-hmm. hey, there's my first read. It's it's not open. Hey, hey, there's my second read. It's not open. And there's an awful lot of, you know, green in front of me, so I'm going to go for a run. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's right. been the difference. I think he took too many sacks early in the season. I think he stayed in the pocket too long and, and tried to force different balls into areas uh, that he shouldn't. And I think in, in, in what you've seen, you know, recently, it, it's hard to contain him first and foremost. Um, I mean, if, if they do the read option and he and he pulls it down and he runs, then he's just like any other running back. And if that defense is, mm-hmm. is accustomed to stopping that, then he's going to get his, what, one, two, three, four yards. But where he really hurts you is in the passing game when he pulls it down and they're playing man-to-man coverage and he goes for 10, 15, 20, 30 chunk yards. And that's what he does to you. And it's hard. You know, that was one of the reasons why I feel like the Ravens had a difficult time with Mahomes is because not because he's a good runner, but because when the play breaks down, he's able to move outside of the pocket and still, you know, make something happen, whether it's with his arm or his legs. Right. Um, and I think that's the, the scary part about Lamar is that he can do that. And, if you if you watch the touchdown he scored against Tennessee, boy, he went zero to touchdown quick, and you know he he's he's elusive when it comes to cutting and and moving through those defenses in terms of how fast he is game speed. So, mm-hmm. um, you know that could be a big portion of the game as well. Roger, what's your picks? Uh, on the uh, Ravens, uh, Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo. Oh, how and, about that? Yeah, I'm, t- I'm taking Buffalo, uh, and I'm taking uh, Green Bay and uh, Kansas City. And uh, what's the other? Uh, well, everybody, everybody's going to take Kansas City, I think. Oh, yeah. I can't, I'm taking Kansas City all the way. A, a week off, I can't go. imagine Reed with a week off and playing it. I can't imagine him losing a game. No, I can't either. Go to Cleveland. They're the Cleveland well, guys. The Browns are going to win. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but you, hey, Tommy, you know in that Cleveland game, you know, let's face it, the the uh, Steelers self destructed. I mean, yeah, if, if they if they don't get what was it tw- three twenty one points in the first five minutes, right? Exactly. One was on that Ponzi snap. Right. If, if they don't if they don't get that, that changes the whole complexion of the game, in my opinion. That's right. That's right. Well, mm-hmm. Roger well the, other, the other thing about that Cleveland game, Tommy, and, and if you saw it and listened to the interview uh, with the quarterback after the game, you know, they they had two people on the line. He said one guy he never saw before. He ca- came in the dressing room for the game. He never he never <laughs> even seen him before. What was the number sixty four or sixty seven or something like that? Right. He had mm-hmm. ne- right. Never even been there before. Don, you know what you I heard today? That Green Bay signed the player that's I believe is mm-hmm. going to start that had that's played right. in another in a yeah right and played for another team last week. That 
That's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. Like he's come to play two that's, weeks hey. in a row with two separate teams. No, that's actually incorrect. <laughs> that's actually incorrect. They they signed Jared Veldegier from the practice squad of the Colts, but they put him on the reserve COVID list today, so he is not going to play. Okay. Well, oh, you know is that right? Happened, when I yep. got this on uh, this morning uh, with mm-hmm. with uh, 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 Charlie Weiss and Bob Papa. That was this mm-hmm. morning. So I guess he went on the COVID list later in the day. Mm-hmm. He did. Okay. Right. Because, that, because it was in the papers. This morning, yeah. It was in the papers too today that he was going to play it. You're mm-hmm. right for that. So the COVID thing must have just come out, uh, Doug. Yeah. I don't know. It did. It was. Um, I, I actually follow um, a website called Runner World. Um, and they typically have a lot of really good uh, information as it pertains to. Hey, Doug, can we hold uh, that? Oh, Doug, can we hold that thought yeah. for a minute, Doug? Hold that thought. Thanks up the clock again, but thanks for thanks for coming on for lightning update right now, broadcasting live from. Have Miami a great week, thanks. Doug. Yes, Doug. Thanks, Have a great guys. Week. Roger, thank you. Don, always a thank pleasure. You, you guys God. are the great. Thanks, Frank. God bless everybody. Okay, Tommy, Frank, thank another good job. So thank you. You guys are the best. Take care, Tommy. Have a great awesome. week. Thank you, Roger. Well, I'll update Don here at the Emily Arena. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Lightning for hosting us right here. Do nothing, Tampa Lake Pilot. Scored a scoring off first, and Joseph started the third goal off there. So it's going to be fun, Frank, to see what's going on, see the banner go up there, and then head home. This guy head home early. You don't want to get out too late tonight. Frank, for my family, the third, your family, thank you very much. God bless you. How's Megan doing real quick? She's doing about fine. She's out of the hospital now. Oh, she, oh, she's, oh, she's still? Yeah. Oh, she's in my purse, Frank. You know that. And Frank, another great job, another great job, another great week. And Frank, have a wonderful, blessed week. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of the fire services. When you're out there, please take the time to let them know you know they're there. These are horrific times for guys in uniform and girls in uniform. Please let them know that you, you, you helped them out. These are these programs dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Robert, Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, <clears throat> Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Badinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Newcastle County uh, Deputy uh, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, uh, Patrol uh, Patrol Officer Arnolfo Crispin, Lakeland PD. Chief Al Hogel, Longo Key Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Lincoln Fire Department. Highway Patrol, um, uh, <clears throat> Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway, Highway Patrol, Brian Nazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol, Brian Burphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Chief. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. De- Patrol Ro- Officer Robert Jermaine, uh, Windermere, Win- Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsburg Deputy Sheriff Charlie Codwell. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. <coughs> D- uh, Delaware State Troopers Sergeant. Uh, Roddy Bond, 
Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artifo, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Boward. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerbus, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, LA County Sheriff's Department. <coughs> Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department. Officer Bob McKesson, Kentucky Police Department. And Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields. <coughs> and the sunshine light on you on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hand. Good night, God bless, and have a great weekend. Stare at us.
We love you.